Chapter 5, Friendly Criticism I left Henry, where I always left Henry, in the bathtub. Hollow-eyed Henry, skin flaking and hair lathered up with foamy shampoo. It seemed as if this was becoming a regular routine for the two of us, a routine I no longer wanted to be a part of. He would sit in the bathtub all day, listening to Chopin and watching Lawrence Welk on mute, and I would do my hair and make the daily trip to the grocery store three blocks down. I can't say for certain how long it's been this way. It feels like it's been this way since the dawn of time when God introduced light onto the face of the waters. He never says anything to me as I'm leaving, either. For a while, I would say something along the lines of, Be back soon, I love you. Or, grabbing some bread, I'll see you soon. Never any response. He just continues to lather up the shampoo and draw from the wealth of whiskey in the tumbler resting on the toilet seat. Staring numbly into space, waving his hands around to conduct the music like he's some sort of lifeless marionette. We've had his parents over several times. Just look at him, will you? He just sits like this all day in the tub. I try and talk to him, but it does no good. Nothing doing. His mother asks me to talk to her in the other room and whispers to me, Have you tried waking him up down there? Blushing, I replied that we have tried having sex before, but it's like copulating with a rag doll, a robot. I can't do it. So he does, in fact, get out of the tub. And he gets in it? He can move, at least? He moves, I respond bitterly. But he's in that wretched tub from 7 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Well, hang in there, sweetie. Marriages have their ups and downs. Let me be the first to tell you. I can't live my life like this anymore. This is no way to do a marriage. This is no way to live a life. We've been married for four years, but it feels like a horrific lifetime, a nightmare without end. I can't go on like this. I am leaving today, but I am not walking to the store. I am walking to the train station, and at the nearest terminal, I am planning on throwing myself onto the tracks. Do you want my honest opinion? That's why I called you over for lunch. I want to know what you really think. Don't hold back. I know, but look, some people say don't hold back when they just want to be buttered up, wanting to feel good about the hard work they put in. I mean it, babe. Don't hold back. Go for it. I feel like this is a trap. Look at me. Read my lips. This is not a trap. I want your honest opinion. Well, Ira lifted the glass of water to his lips and gave a slow sip. Don't do that, Sandra snapped. Don't do that thing where you have me waiting on the edge of a cliff. Just tell me. It needs to be a gut thing. Okay, well, he set the glass down on the table with a cold thunk. I didn't like it. You're serious? Not just playing a joke on me or something? I'm serious. Why... Why didn't you like it? See, I told you, this is a trap. 
It's not a trap. Just stop. She took a deep breath. I'm okay. I swear. Thank you for your honest feedback. Just, what didn't you like about it? Um, most of it, honestly. There were a few interesting parts I liked. God's light upon the face of the waters. That part was good. I liked the comparison to the marionette. You painted some interesting pictures there. It made it feel real. But on the whole, no, I didn't think it was good. What didn't work for you? Well, for starters, it just didn't seem realistic. You built up Jessica to be this fearless character who takes no prisoners. I didn't believe that she would have stayed with Harold after all that time, day after day. I think she would have left pretty quickly. But she's a romantic soul. She would stay for love. She's not that romantic. She's been chained to this husk of a man for years now with no suitable explanation. She's committed to him. She's committed to several things. Her work, her brother, but not to him. Try again. She's religious. She doesn't believe in divorce. You know that reason doesn't hold water, Sandra. Next. Well, in any case, she's doing something about this doomed and miserable marriage. She is set on killing herself. Which I take issue with for two reasons. Why has it taken her this long? She's a headstrong woman. If she were indeed the suicidal type, she would have done it long ago. Which brings me to the other point I take umbrage with. I don't think she's the suicidal type at all. What would you know about that? Sandra asked. Ira took another slow sip of iced water. I know plenty. Oh, I'm sorry. Of course, she stumbled. I guess I'm just... Maybe flummoxed is the word? How can you know so much about Jessica? You hardly know anything about her. I've read a tiny chapter to you, and you act like you know so much about her. How could you? You're not privy to a wealth of backstory and setup to my protagonist. Maybe she is, in fact, suicidal, and you just didn't know it. I'd be happy to read everything you've written thus far and give more honest feedback, but you're getting a taste of what the publishing world is like. It's a quick audition video with no room for any outside backstory. It's all in the moment and taken at face value. That's the name of the game. Well, in any case, it's not fair. Ira lifted his glass once more. Welcome to the world of writing. Sandra reached for her fork and began picking at the battlefield on her plate. Scrambled eggs strewn everywhere, bits and pieces of chopped up sausage, the stray sliver of hash brown. As if you would know anything about being published, she mumbled. He lowered his water glass. That was below the belt. I'm just saying. I've been published, you know. But no novels yet, am I right? Weren't you yourself the one who said, publishing doesn't count unless it's your hard-won novel? Ira leaned back in his seat and allowed himself a tremendous sigh. This is why writing couples shouldn't share their work, much less ask for constructive feedback. It's like convincing the obstinate Republican that the Second Amendment is outdated. It can't be done. Well, listen, Ira, I won't be the doting Hadley to your earnest, if that's what you're after. I never expected that. I have dreams and creativity, too, you know. 
Of course. I just like a little validation now and then. Is that too much to ask? I thought you wanted honest feedback. Do not make me jam this fork in your eye. Ira held up his hands in surrender. Keep up the good work, kid. Are we still on for Ty this Friday at six? Yes, she grumbled. Perfect. He got up from the table and reached down to give her a side hug and a kiss on the head. Before I forget, are you going to that thing tonight at Checkers Hall? No. What thing? The bard is set to read a new set of poems tonight at 8 o'clock. Lots of buzz going around. I need to see if his new stuff lives up to the hype. Maybe. I might stop by. We'll see. All right, then. He gave her another kiss on the head and shifted his shoulder bag. Bon voyage, ma chérie. The little brass bell rang as he opened the diner door and stepped outside into the blue. Sandra stared after him, watching him walk away and disappear into the crowd. She took a slow bite of cold scrambled egg and absentmindedly lowered her fork.